and welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call as today your Hoosiers fight valiantly in Champaign, Illinois, but ultimately come up short 67-66. to The loss drops Indiana to 18-11 overall, 8-10 in conference play, and really puts some pressure on these two final home games for the Hoosiers down the stretch. They play Minnesota and Wisconsin uh, next week to end out the regular season, but you know, just a, a really, you know, obviously one of Indiana's best road performances today. You know, we talked about uh, before the game on the halftime report, make it a 40-minute game, try to steal it at the end, and by goodness, the Hoosiers almost did it. Uh, you know, it really looked like Illinois was going to kind of, uh, you know, take control there toward the end and maybe, you know, breeze to, uh, you know, or, or end on a comfortable finish when they got up by seven, but the Hoosiers kept fighting back. They kept making shots. They kept making plays. You know, unfortunately, a couple calls went against the Hoosiers there late, which we will obviously, uh, you know, talk about as we go forward. But just a disappointing loss uh, for Indiana. But, you know, given how this team has played on the road, a lot to be encouraged about in this performance as well. And we're going to talk, talk about it all in this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips. And let's start this show the way we start every show. And that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And for the Banner Moment, I'm going back to the moment when it was 62-57, to 57, Illinois. And Illinois had the ball. They're getting ready to lob it into Kofi. It looked like he would get it and probably put Illinois up seven and maybe end the game. And Al Durham makes a great play uh, coming in off the help side to force the steal. Uh, then, you know, he and Rob kind of awkwardly uh, struggle to get control of the ball as Al goes diving out of bounds. But Indiana did get the ball, uh, and that's what mattered. Uh, and then they go down the other end. Al ends up getting it and knocking down a three to make it 62-60, to 60, a huge shot. Uh, you know, that brought Indiana back. Illinois goes down on the other end, and Io Desunmu, who has been hitting big shot after big shot for Illinois, drains a three with Rob Finnessy guarding him. And again, it kind of looks like, all right, you know, well, there's the shot. Illinois kind of sealed it. But Indiana goes back on the other end, and Rob Finnessy hit a three-pointer to make it 65-63. to 63. And so in a season that has been defined, especially on the road, by Indiana's guards not being up to the moment, not being up to the challenge, and missing important shots. Today, Indiana's guards made plays. You know, they had 20 combined points in the first half. They obviously made plays down the stretch. It wasn't quite enough to win, but what we saw offensively from Al Durham and in stretches from Rob Finnessy uh, and in certain stretches from Devontae Green, it was imperfect. The guards made a lot of mistakes, but you know, this was much better. You know, you obviously are going to have a chance in games to win when the guards play like this, and they came up big uh, with some of those shots there toward the end. Just not quite enough uh, to be able to get it done, which is obviously disappointing, but something that we can uh, at least be encouraged by uh, here as we move forward. All right, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, a company that was founded by an IU grad and that remains based in Indianapolis. Our friends over there, they have over 70,000, or 70,000, 70 plus uh, different schools available on their website. 70,000 would be quite a, uh, quite a haul for Connor. Uh, but IU, of course, their first school, they remain huge supporters of IU athletics. And if you want to support, you know, a business founded by an IU grad that's based in Indiana, then Homefield Apparel is definitely one that you should. But, you know, it's an apparel company. If you're going to buy stuff from an apparel company, you want it to be comfortable, you want it to be unique, and that's exactly what Homefield Apparel does for you. You know, their gear, whether you buy a t-shirt, whether you buy a long sleeve tee, the crew neck sweater, the hoodie, it is comfortable from the moment that you take it out of the package and it stays comfortable even after you wash it. 
And, you know, their thing is they pull old logos that haven't been used in a long time, old brand marks, and they pull them back and give them a second life. And they give you the opportunity, uh, you know, to really show your IU fandom or whatever school you end up wanting to get uh, in a unique way. And so, you know, whether you want to get something really cool for yourself, like the Bison Hoodie sweatshirt or the Script Indiana shirt uh, or, you know, the Champions Tee, the shoes logo, they have a ton of basketball options for you there. Go to homefieldapparel.com. And if you want to get something for the IU fan in your life, it's obviously great to pick up gifts there as well. And remember that because you're a member of the Assembly Call audience, you get a massive discount when you order at homefieldapparel.com. So use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. That's ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off your entire order. Go to homefieldapparel.com today. Get the most unique and comfortable IU apparel that you will find anywhere. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team today. That is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, your opening rant on this Indiana loss. Here's what I don't understand. We, we, we can talk about the calls late. I, I thought the most egregious, look, I thought that Rob Finnessy got tripped on that, that possession. I don't think that was the most egregious call. I get it. It was kind of a scrum. Guy trips over another guy's foot. It was a foul, but I get missing that in a scrum late. Um, I get missing that. Illinois didn't really have possession of the ball when they called the timeout and you gave them the timeout and possession. I, I get missing that again, scramble on the floor, tough call to make the call that they missed that drove me nuts was Al Durham shot a three pointer and missed it by about four feet. And it was clear to anybody watching live that he got fouled, that he got hammered on the elbow. They showed the replay. He got hit on the elbow very clearly. And, and it wasn't like Durham didn't react. He reacted immediately asking for a call, begging for a call. It was clear he got fouled shooting three. Whether or not that three goes in, I don't know. But he deserved three free throws, and he's IU's best free throw shooter. Does that change the outcome of the game? I don't know. But I don't know how an official can miss that call. You miss two guys on the inside going up against each other and kind of banging into each other, and you don't call a foul. I get that. A wide-open three that misses by five feet you and, and flutters out of bounds you don't think that maybe there was some contact on the elbow? And this is what I'm going to get into, really, is the replay rule in college basketball. We've talked about this a few times. But by the way, I have, I have, I have really held back on referees this year. It is, it is because there have been plenty of other issues with Indiana to talk about. But when it really affects the game at the end of a game, I don't care if you miss a foul. I, I know a lot of people don't agree with this. I don't care if you miss a foul with 15 minutes left in the first half or 15 minutes left in the second half at the end of the game, just like players need to be playing their best at the end. The officials need to be at their best when the game is on the line, they need to step up too. And so I, I hear a lot of people say, well, if it's a foul with 15 minutes to go, it's a, you know, you know what? It's different at the end of the game because you're legitimately affecting the end of the game. And there's no chance for people to adjust to you and, and adjust to your calls. With 15 minutes left to go in the first half, you can adjust to a bad call. You say, okay, you know what? Let's run a play and do this. And, and we'll make up for that. With no time left on the clock, you can't adjust and you can't make up for a bad call. So what? What the thing that drives me nuts is replay right now. When Al Durham it took that three-pointer, got hit on the elbow, they didn't call the foul, and it fluttered out of bounds. They reviewed whether or not it was tipped to go out of bounds, and that's why, because Indiana was reacting and saying it was a foul. So they took the time to review it. The problem with replay is you can't review and say, oh, yeah, he clearly got fouled on that. That should be three shots. They can only check possession. And I'm not saying you should do that on every play, but with a minute left, if you miss a call like that, it's pretty consequential. And even if you're not going to give the foul to the guy and you say, you know what, that we can't give him a foul because we missed the call, we should give the ball to Indiana, though, because the reason the ball went out of bounds was because he got fouled. 
or, or, you know, figure out some way to change that. So you're not penalizing Illinois for the fact that the officials missed the call and giving three free throws or an easy bucket or, or whatever. You at least make up for the fact that you screwed up so badly. That ball goes. We determined there was a foul. We didn't call it. We're not going to add a foul, but we'll give the ball to Indiana. This is the same thing that happened in the national championship game to Texas Tech last year where a Texas Tech player had the ball, was was dribbling it, got collided into by a Virginia guy, and the ball was originally off of Virginia. They reviewed it and saw that at the last millisecond, it went off the, the Texas Tech guards, you know, the end of his tip of his finger, and they had to switch possession when the only reason the ball went out of bounds was because he was collided into by somebody and it was a clear foul. The NCAA needs to change this because... At the end of the day, if the ball goes out of bounds because you were fouled, it shouldn't be about who touched it last. It should be why did the ball go out of bounds? And I know that's a gray area, and I know it's something they have to make some rules on and everything, but the replay situation is stupid right now. It is. That ball went out of bounds off Indiana because Al Durham got fouled. And I can guarantee you, Indiana would have rather had a brick off the backboard then the ball fluttering out of bounds like that, because at least they would have had a chance for an offensive rebound or something of that matter. So I, I, I don't get the way that the games are officiated and I don't get the replay system because it is inequitable and it doesn't make sense. And it, in some cases punishes people who are doing the right things and lets the people who are doing the wrong things off the hook for an, a missed call by an official. So at the end, again, the Rob fantasy play, I thought he was fouled. While that's a bummer that they missed that call, I get missing that call kind of in a late scrum and a kid kind of has the ball and loses it. I get not getting the possession call right. You know, it stinks that it happened, but that Al Durham call was egregious and that's a game-changing call because Al Durham had just hit a three. Not saying he makes that one, but he gets fouled on a three. He's Indiana's best free throw shooter and he's at the line for three shots. That changes the outcome of the game and the officials miss the call. And that's on them. And people who don't think there are problems in college basketball officiating are not watching games, are the people who don't watch games. The Big Ten commissioner uh, doesn't think there's a problem with officiating in, in college basketball games. He's wrong. There is a problem. They miss too many calls. I don't know if you have to add another official. I don't know if you have to retrain these guys. I don't know. But they're missing too many calls in key situations. And it's been a real problem this year. It's been a problem for 20 years. We're talking about this year when there's a lot of close games between a lot of teams they're missing more calls and it's, and it's insane. And it's, out, it, it's out of control. Illinois. Now, now if Al Durham gets those free throws, Illinois may come down, hit a three, win it, walk off, but they shouldn't have been put in that situation. It was a bad call. And then they further compound it by the stupid replay rule. Yeah. I'm usually not a big fan of reference to begin games. I'm not and either. we haven't, I've been, and we, I've been holding back this year. I know. And we have, we haven't done it much, but you know, I, I agree with the sentiment and the tone of what you're saying. Um, because look, you know, Indiana made enough mistakes down the stretch, you know, to to lose this game. Obviously, Trace Jackson Davis misses a couple free throws. They had a six minute drought, you know, there toward the end of the second half. This was by no means a you know a perfect Indiana performance. But to your no, point, it would have been not. nice to see at the end, just see it officiated fairly, and let's see what what happens at the end. You know, and those those were really big calls. You know, they took possessions away from Indiana, and so I, I share your disappointment there. Um, it, again, know. not the reason, not the only reason IU lost. IU had stretches in this game where it yeah. didn't play well and let Illinois run away, and then they had to make that furious comeback. And again, when you're making that furious comeback, you're relying on the officials to do, you know, something to help you out in certain situations, and you need that Al Durham call to get back into it. 
totally agree with people who take that stance and that referees are bad in every game and every. I know. I'm just saying at the end of the game, there is a very obvious call that one of the three officials on the floor should have made. Yes. And it's it's ridiculous that it didn't get made. And, and again, whether that means win a, win a game or lose a game, I don't know, but it certainly changes the game. And, and officiating and missed calls should not change the game. Yep. So I really thought that this, you know, as, as we now kind of analyze this game, I thought the story of the game coming in was going, I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, the guards are going to have to play well, a lot of things are going to have to happen. But I thought the most important key was how was Trace going to play today? He's been a guy who's been very up and down on the road. It was basically going to be a mono a mono battle against Kofi Coburn, who is you know kind of his main challenger for Big Ten Freshman of the Year. And we know that this team plays so much better when Trace gets a lot of shots. You know, he's got to get 14, 15, 16 shots, even if he's not making a high percentage of them. And I thought in the first half, things went really well. You know, Trace had scored 10 points. He had six boards. He was second on the team in shots attempted with five. Um, you know, it wasn't, he struggled to kind of get in the flow of the offense for a certain stretch of the first half, but he found ways to get points on offensive rebounds and to get work done in the second half. A lot of that went away as he only gets two points. He only took four shots. Uh, you know, he made one, at least two of the other ones were blocked by Kofi Coburn. Now he did have six rebounds and had three offensive rebounds and had a couple of blocks on his own. But when you look at a game that Indiana only loses by one, you know, in part because some of those possessions were taken away at the end, and obviously in part because Rob Finnessy drained that three on the final possession, you know, you start looking at what's the biggest difference. Trace Jackson Davis has to get more than four shots in a winnable game on the road. You look at the shots in the second half. Rob took seven. Devontae took six. Jerome took four. Al Durham took four. Justin Smith took four. Trace Jackson Davis took four. You know, he should not be one of the guys with the fewest amount of shots. And I get that Coburn was in there playing really good defense. A lot of his shots were getting blocked anyway. I don't care. He needed to find a way to get the ball more. Indiana need, needed to find a way to get him the ball more. And to me, that's really where this game swung was him not being able to get more involved there in the second half. And so, you know, if Indiana is going to go win some of these tougher games away from home, and look, they were better uh, against Purdue on the road than they've been in other games, and they were better today than they were against Purdue. So we are seeing some progress. But for Indiana to take these better efforts and, hey, you know, they were better and turn it into wins, Trace has to be a guy who is more assertive and his teammates have to get him the ball. Um, yeah. that, that to me, if you get him two, three, four more shots somehow, some way, it's probably the difference in the ball game. And so somehow, some way, that's got to start happening in these road games. Yeah, and look, let's let's be real. This is a tough matchup for Trace with Kofi Coburn. By the way, it's Cockburn. Why does he go with Coburn? I, it's not. Let him go by whatever he wants. I know. I'm just kidding. Um, I, my girlfriend and I were just joking about it <laughs> because it's like, well, of course you don't want to be called Cockburn. Come on, but it it's with him sitting on the weak side. That's a tough matchup. And and we saw Coburn block him a few times, and and you know come over and do that. And that again, that's just. That physically, that's a tough matchup. And we saw Coburn on him a few times and it just didn't work out. And here's the difference, too. I mean, Coburn went to the went to the free throw line 10 times. Trace went four times. He, he wasn't able to get calls. And he was. And, and, and I and I don't mean that the officials missed calls. I mean, he wasn't able to earn the calls. Yeah, he didn't create calls. Yes. Went up and, soft. And, and, you know, 
Coburn just by his size was able to get positioning um, and, and just kind of go to the middle of the defense. Cause Indiana didn't really have anybody who could match up with him. Joey Brunk got, got ragdolled by him a few times and Deron Davis, we only saw for eight minutes. We didn't, he didn't really get a whole lot of run against Coburn. Um, but I think that was the issue is that there was a seven foot guy, you know, on the weak side and, and ready to block his shot every occasion. And every time he got the ball, you would see Coburn just completely turn his back on his guy and just focus on when Trace was going to go up and get ready to block it. Now, he beat him sometimes, but it, it was it's a tough matchup, and that's the kind of matchup where when you have that on the inside, I, I agree, getting him going is a huge deal, and they did a great job getting him the ball in that last possession where he wound up getting fouled, but getting him going is a big deal, but here's the thing. The guards have to get going to open that up a little bit more, and maybe some other people have to drive to draw Coburn's attention, or you got to have people go at Coburn on the drive and be willing to take a foul and, and, and get him to the bench. You've got to remove that guy from the equation if he's dominating you like that. Indiana did try and do that a few times. I mean, Devontae Green went up against him a couple times, got one foul, got three where they didn't call it. And, you know, whether those were fouls or not, I don't know, just based on the way the game was being called. But, you know, that's what you have to do. I thought Indiana actually tried to do that, to go at him and just say, you know, either block this or foul us, you know, one of the two. And they drew, they only drew two fouls. So, Again, a guy who's competing for Big Ten Freshman of the Year and and just like Trace is going to get a little leeway on calls uh, when he's playing defense. I think that Coburn got some calls defensively. I think that uh, and I think that that helped the fact that he was just planted in the paint all day, didn't have to move. And and then, you know, he played 35 minutes and he was just planted in the paint. And it's hard to get going against a guy like that. It really is. You've got to win, you know, with some outside shots in that situation. And look. Indiana went eight of 16 from three. I mean, they, that's how they stayed in the game was they knocked down some shots and, and they clearly weren't going to get it at the rim all day, although they played decently in the paint. I mean, they stayed within arm's reach of, of Illinois and points of the paint. I think it was 28-32. And I, if you would ask me that at the beginning of the game, I would have said that wouldn't happen today because I just think that they have such a – they're good drivers and they have uh, that presence in the middle. So I, I think that – it's just a tough game for Trace to get going, and 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 especially without other help on the block. Really, Race Thompson was in foul trouble for a stretch of the game. Uh, he never got going offensively, but I thought he again provided what he provides, just not for as long as we would, uh, you know, have hoped it. Yeah, no, it, it it was, you know, and and I think part of the issue with Trace is he was obviously aware that Coburn was there, you know, and I think maybe some shot fakes, a little more patience at time might have helped. You know, I think that you did a good job of diagnosing a lot of the reasons why it was tough. And yet bottom line for trace to play 33 minutes and only get nine shots. That is a formula for Indiana losing a road game. And that's what happened sure. today is Indiana lost a road. No, game. I mean, so before that's, the game, that's people... something as you move forward now, you know, and you're taking, you know, what lessons have we learned from the last couple of weeks? It's, you know, you have got to find a way to get trace going and get him more shots because that's the way that Indiana is going to win because you know you know Devontae made some shots but he also took some crazy ones Justin Smith you know he took a few shots that you know jumper I I thought Justin Smith did a few nice things inside but some of those jumpers he took like when he those are shots that need to become shots for Trace right there and if you make that substitution again you may end up winning this game yeah, and, and look, uh, Justin Smith, when he goes to the rim, when, since we you mentioned him, when he goes to the rim, I have no problem with his offense. The the long twos and the threes, get those out of doing, you know, uh, get those out. It's not working right now. I mean, maybe he can shoot those, but he's not making them. And, 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 you know, the drive to the middle of the lane with your feet facing out of bounds and the rest of your body face towards the hoop, that that's not working either. 
go to the rim. He's got the athleticism. I think that's why so many people get frustrated with Justin because he's so athletic and he's so talented when he's moving forward and his whole posture is towards the rim as opposed to leaning back and away from it or, or, you know, playing from the outside. He's a different player. And, and when he gets going towards the rim with momentum, it's hard to stop him because he's athletic, he's strong, and, and he's a good finisher. The, 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 the frustration comes when he gets the ball in the lane and kind of leans backwards and fires it instead of yeah. going up strong and going over people. And, and um, it's just a confidence thing. I think he's just, he's, he's athletic enough to get it done. I, I, you know, and I think that's, what's the most frustrating thing about Justin's game is that he could have done that probably a couple more times today and, and maybe backdoor cut and gotten something, you know, that way, but it just wasn't there. And, and that's frustrating. There were a couple of times he popped jumpers in a row and it was just kind of like, Man, there's there's better offense out there for you specifically, not just for Indiana, but for you specifically. You know, and it, it does get a little bit difficult. There's a lot of lineups out there where you have, you know, two guards, Justin Smith, Race Thompson, Trace Jackson Davis. You're playing with only two shooters on the court because Race has stopped looking at the rim. I mean, have you noticed that when Race gets the ball outside now, he's not even looking to shoot. And yeah. several, you know, a few weeks ago, he was looking to take that shot. And I actually would like him. I mean, out of, you know, those three guys, obviously, he Trace, can take one a game for me. He can yes, take one a game if he makes just it to take make two. himself a threat because yep. teams have stopped even looking at him out there. And it, I mean, look, offense is really hard. I, I liked at the end of the game when Archie put Jerome in there. So at least you've got three shooters on the court. Yeah. And when you were trying to play with only two shooters and one of them's got the ball in his hands a lot of times, I mean, it makes you really easy to defend. And that's another reason why Trace had trouble getting going. And we've continued to see what the formula is for Justin. I texted you guys during the game. There's one where he got a wide open three on the wing and he held it for a second and then shot it and was way short. And I Jerome. texted everybody. Jerome, you mean? Yeah, Jerome. Yeah. And, and I texted everybody and I said, he just needs to shoot. As soon as you catch it, shoot it. You know, get in your motion. Shoot. Don't think about it. And the next two, he caught it. You know, he had those two great threes where he caught it, put it up, caught it, put it up. He's the kind of guy that does not need to think right now. Those and and, and, and those were huge plays. So let's huge. I was gonna I was gonna talk about that next segment, but let's linger on it real quick because it warrants talk in the first segment. It was forty seven to forty two. Indiana was really struggling offensively, and it felt like a danger zone, a lot like the Penn State game. Remember that, where the offense is really struggling? Penn State took yep. a five-point lead. Jerome made that big three, which got us going again. Same thing today. And look, Jerome gets a lot of credit for making those two threes, and he should, because on the one, he really relocated smartly to the corner. On the other one, he was in transition. He ran the court well. But I give Devontae Green a lot of credit for finding him because on the first one, you know, Devontae Green kind of probed the defense and instead of throwing up a wild shot, he kind of did that Yogi thing where he kept his dribble down the baseline and mm -hmm. found Jerome, who, again, showed the offensive awareness to relocate. And then the other one was in transition and Devontae had his head up, found Jerome. Those plays were huge and gave Indiana the lead and got him going. And I'll tell you what's so important is for a team with a lot of guys who seem to struggle with the confidence in their shot. Jerome Hunter is a guy who, no matter how many he's missed, and even though he had that wide open one that he missed, he has supreme confidence in his shot. He always he thinks no the next one is going whatsoever. down. And that's important. You know, now look, he got blown by on D a lot today, and he I'm sure he gave up more yeah. points than he scored. He was a bad matchup guard wise. It for was. Him it was. You know, and he's gonna have to get better at that. Yes. But just timing and meaning, those two threes were huge. And that's something huge. he's become a guy that when you really need some offense and things are struggling, get him in there because you know he'll fire one up with confidence, and he's shown that he can make him in those moments. So would have liked he had to a see couple him assists get, today too. I mean, he was doing good things on the offensive. His 
he, he did not have as many of the panic passes today. Yep. He was stronger he with just the gets ball. Rid of it. Yeah, got yeah. rid of those turnovers. So some signs of growth was... from Jerome, but also from Jerome, the signs of the things that still have to come, especially yeah. on the defensive end. And a lot of that's just development stuff that he's going to get better at as he sees more time and has more practice time and, and all of that stuff. Yep. All right, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's one-point loss to Illinois on the road today, I will point out today's meaningful moments that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? A full court dribble and a perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Verdell. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips. We are breaking down Indiana's 67 to 66 loss to Illinois today. In Champaign, Ryan, it's time for today's meaningful moments that you might have missed. And, you know, Al Durham talked about him during the banner moment, obviously making that huge three-pointer and the big defensive play that he made on Coburn. But, you know, I thought some of the other biggest plays in the game, in addition to the, obviously, the threes that Jerome hit that we talked about last segment, I thought Al delivered some other plays that were absolutely huge. You know, there was a play in the second half. Indiana was down seven with 527 to go. One of the biggest danger moments they faced the entire game. Illinois is at the line with a 60-53 to 53 lead, about to push it out to an eight-point lead. Andres Felice misses the free throw, and Al just went after the rebound hard and got fouled. It was a really aggressive a- attempt at the rebound for Al. He got it, he gets fouled, makes both free throws, and so instead of Illinois being up eight, it's a five-point game, and I thought those free throws were huge because, again, yep. we were really struggling to get anything going, and you know what it reminded me of is that when Al plays physical and when Al plays alert, he can be a real difference maker because well, he's if, not wilting if you think from contact. Back, yeah, right. And you know, and think about what started Indiana's offensive drought. I think it was fifty-three to fifty-one. Yeah, fifty-five, fifty-three. They went on that offensive drought. What was the first possession of the drought? Rob Finnessy throws a pass to Al on the wing, and he just drops the ball out of bounds. Goes you know, out of bounds. those are the kinds of plays Al cannot make. But you know, when he's alert and physical like the rebound, that's big. I'll go back to the first half. In any road game, especially in a charged-up environment, you've got to get off to a good start. And Illinois jumped out to a 10-4 lead. We're struggling a little bit. And Al had a nice little sequence of plays. You know, he got a big rebound, got fouled, made the free throws. That made it 10-6. On the next possession, he had a great assist to Race Thompson, which made it 10-8. Those were two really big plays. Devontae Green would then make a couple of threes and actually give Indiana the lead. Yeah. But, but when it was 10-4, those were big plays. Later on, uh, in the half, I believe it was in the first half. You know, Al had that uh, that drive into the lane, uh, came after Rob Finnessy's. You know, and he drives. And again, what have we talked about with Al? When you drive to score, don't drive to get fouled. Things work out so much better, and he did. So for the game, Al finished with 13 points. You know, and whereas Rob needed 13 shots to get his 10 points, and Devontae needed 11 shots to get his 11 points. It took Al six shots to get his 13 points. He got five free throws. He hit a couple of threes. You know, only had that one turnover and that huge steal on Coburn. This was a winning effort from Al Durham today. Yep. And you need performances like this from upperclassmen to win on the road. Now, 
Al, like everybody, had trouble containing dribblers. So I know everybody's going to say, well, he gave up some on defense, and he did. This was an overall solid team defensive effort, but some of the guards really got exposed on the dribble penetration. And I get that, and Al still struggles there. He couldn't guard Io. Like, I get all of those limitations. But what you need from Al in road games like this is offensive contributions. And I thought, for the most part today, he really brought it. And a lot of those moments were really big plays. You know, when Indiana needed someone to step up, he did. And so we've been tough on him. But this is the kind that you can win with this kind of performance from Al Durham. And he's got to bottle this. If Indiana's going to go win in the Big Ten tournament, win in the NCAA tournament, if they get there, win these last two home games, you got to get more performances like this from Al Durham. Yeah. And look, Al in the offseason needs to work on his feet defensively and, and work on, you know, being able to go side to side and being able to contain the dribble. And I think that's something that can be taught. And I think you need to work on it, staying on you know his toes instead of getting flat footed defensively. And I think he needs to really work on his ball handling this offseason. Uh, you know, we're coming to the end of the season. We're going to start talking about looking forward. But I, as far as effort from Al today, that was right. I mean, look, he is a bigger guy than I think he thinks he is. And he's got longer arms than I think he thinks he does. And he can finish at the rim. He can get physical with guys. He can go up and, 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 and go for a rebound against another guard and, and likely win it because he just has that athleticism and, and, and reach and all that stuff. Uh, And so seeing him do that today really, you know, was a positive. The question with Al and the question has been with a couple of these guys is how does that carry over to the next game? We saw confidence build. We saw him do some things. We saw him go right up against Coburn a few times. Like he's got that confidence. We saw Rob Finnessy do that as well. Do they carry that over? Can they build on that? Or is it just, this was just a Sunday in March and the next time they come out, it'll be a completely different day of the week. And so we don't know what to you know, day of the week and month, and we don't know what to expect. So that's the thing about Al is, is he's been contributing more lately. He has. He's gradually been contributing a little bit more. He's had more confidence to take jump shots. He's had more confidence to, to fight and get to the line. He's had more confidence to, unfortunately, handle the ball a little bit too much, which has been bad for Indiana. But there have been signs of progress there, as there have been with Rob Finnessy. You've seen signs of progress with him having more confidence in his shot having more confidence going to the rim and trying to finish, having more confidence defensively. The question is, do they keep building on that? Or is that you know just going to be a run of four games where they stopped cold and reverted back to their old selves? I, I mean, obviously, as an Indiana fan, you're hoping that's something they're building on. But we've seen before, guys hit walls and, and takes them a long time to recover. Or you know they get injured and they get set back months instead of set back like a week. Um, let's hope that these guys are moving forward and progressing and this is we're seeing more and more of what they can become and what they will become as opposed to just it's giving us a glimpse and then you know the light's gonna go out i do also you know i like his mentality in the games he wants the shot you know like some people criticized him in that maryland game when he took that one three you know early in the shot clock but he does want to take these shots and for a team with a lot of guys that are reticent to kind of step up offensively you know, I'll give Al that. It's also worth noting that when Indiana was down two with about 30 seconds left, it looked like Archie wanted to run a play for Al, and I think he just completely forgot what they were doing. And, yeah, and that's the and exact that's, same play where he got fouled on the arm, and Al didn't hear him. But that's and, and that's it, but that's yeah. part of the issue with Al is yeah, the awareness, the mentality, some of those things. Because when you see it, you know he can really be a player who can who can make some of those plays. His last five games, his last six games, he had six points against Iowa, seventeen against Michigan, seven against Minnesota, fourteen against Penn State, two against Purdue. He was the only guy against, against Michigan Illinois. we thought played well. 
Yeah, and but that's that's the up and down nature of him right now. And so again, with Indiana coming home, really needing to get some work done in these two home games, you've got to get the owl that you got today. Um, and and you know, not the guy who only had two points against Purdue. Um, any those are the big moments that stood out to me. Obviously, there are others, but any big moments stand out to you, Ryan? Uh, no, I mean, I thought that you mentioned them, but Jerome Hunter's two threes were huge and they kind of changed the momentum of the game and it kind of took us from possibly falling off the cliff to really getting getting them right back in that game. Um, I also thought that the the Al foul on the three was the biggest moment of the game. I mean, uh, it's not one you might have missed, but I thought that was the biggest moment of the game. Is That was a chance. Indiana had some momentum and then the ball just fluttered out of bounds and Illinois got it. So. I the other huge deal. you know the other really big play and I think it was actually just the best individual sequence for Indiana all day long is at the the 2 minute mark in the first half when Coburn got the ball down low Trace really did a nice job of walling up and then Rob Finnessy came down and just stuffed the crap out of him. Yep, it was a great was block amazing. shot and then I think Jerome got it up to Rob uh and Rob you know got it in transition found Trace for the bucket. And, you know, that's the other issue, and this can lead us in, Ryan, to talking about stats, which is, you know, Indiana did, one of Indiana's big keys defensively was to not let Illinois get out and run. And Illinois only had eight fast break points. Indiana only had 10 turnovers. And, you know, look, a lot of, you know, we talked about the, just the boneheaded turnover by Al. And on the very next possession, Justin Smith traveled. Like, they had some of these really bad turnovers that took them out of opportunities to score, but they didn't have a lot of the live ball turnovers that yeah. went the other way. And so that's the difference. That, I mean, it's almost two different categories, turnovers yes. and live ball turnovers. You don't mind an offensive foul. If you're being aggressive, going to the hoop and a guy happens to step in on you, you don't mind, you know, two guys miscommunicating on a pass. That kind of thing happens. As long as it doesn't happen all the time, that kind of thing happens. The ball goes out of bounds. Like you don't mind that you mind the live ball things where you're handing them a fast break the other way. That's the biggest you know, I'd rather have a dead ball turnover than a really bad shot that leads to a run. Out. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I honestly would. And, and so I think that those almost need to be two different stats, live ball and dead ball. turnover. Yeah. You know, now the issue on the other end is for Indiana, we know how important transition offense is. Yeah. And Indiana was only able to get, I think seven, no, they got nine fast break points. So we did win that, win that by one. But if you're Indiana, you probably needed more than that, you know, for a team that struggles so much is, in the half court. And we and only Illinois forced is, seven turnovers on them. And Illinois is such a good team defensively on the interior that you have to get out and run more uh, so they don't have a set. You're not running against a set defense, especially, you know, if Indiana shot w- was a knockdown shooting team, you'd be okay facing them in the half court. But Indiana isn't. I mean, I know they shot well today, but, you know, they got eight threes instead of 12. And, and so it's just a different you know, you've got to get out and get those easy buckets in transition because once they're entrenched, it's real tough to score on them. Yeah, you know, and and, and look, a lot of the, the stats were similar, as you would expect in a one-point game. You know, points in the paint, Illinois wins 32-28. to 28. Obviously, Coburn had the six blocks, and, you know, each of his blocks was a very loud block that was very noticeable. But Indiana had five block shots, too. The Hoosiers did a yeah. pretty nice job challenging at the rim. I thought Race Thompson had a few really nice possessions when, you know, Io and other guys had beaten their man of being able to step up he, and challenge a dribbler, which well is so difficult to do. But he, you know, got vertical, challenge guys. Trace had a few blocks. Um, you know, rebounding, Indiana really did a nice job. We're seeing Indiana get back to rebounding. They out-rebounded yeah. Illinois by eight. Uh, they and were Illinois able to get a lot a, of offensive rebounds as well. They mentioned on the broadcast, Illinois is one of the best rebounding teams in the country, and they beat them by eight on the road. Yeah. And that, that was impressive. I mean, Trace had, 
gosh, what was it? Uh, how many off of the, he had seven offensive rebounds on his own. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Uh, so, you know, while trace didn't have the game offensively, we wanted, he was doing a lot of those things that he needs to consistently do to help this team. And even went overboard. I mean, seven offensive rebounds is, is a ton. Yeah. And, you know, look, I think again, Devonte green, you know, those two threes early in the first half were really big. You talked about how he was able to drive and get to the free throw line was three for three there. We talked about the importance of those assists to Jerome Hunter, like Devonte green made some good plays today. The issue is obviously Devonte also made some bad plays, and I thought there was a stretch there. It, it was it was you know it was right after that stretch where it was fifty three fifty three, and Illinois. I mean they were missing shots too. I thought they really had a chance to put some distance they, between they us did. and them. And they missed some open it, shots. They, they missed some open shots, and that was really important for Indiana. But also you know Devonte got in there, took a long three, his first possession in, drove in, you know missed a two, and he had a few really just give up defensive efforts where yep. he didn't even try to stay in front of his man. And it came in bunches. And that, that was the issue is I thought Devontae's bad plays as they often do came in bunches. And Illinois really seemed to take advantage of that. And so, you know, those those missed shots that Devontae had and some of those poor decisions, look, we know this is just the bargain that we have to make this year. You know, you need Devontae for a shot making and some of those plays that he can make as a you know as a guard. And you're going to give up something. It was it was funny in the first half. You know he hit those threes, and then he had a bad stretch after that. And I tweeted, "Devonte uh, take or giveth, and Devonte taketh away." Coach texted the exact same thing at the exact same time. At I mean, the exact just, same moment. Yeah. You know, I mean, no one's breaking any news here as we you know go down the stretch of Devonte's <clears throat> senior year. Um, you know, you needed the plays that he made uh, to to stay in this for an offensively challenged team, but obviously those those plays that he wasn't able to make uh, really hurt Indiana. So. Yeah, and I thought that he did some, uh, you know, one of the things that I thought Indiana actually moved the ball pretty well today and the yeah. passing was pretty good. And as we saw with the low turnovers, they were making solid passes and solid decisions with the basketball. And I thought there were a couple times he got the ball with about 17 seconds and just stood still dribbling for 10 seconds, as we've seen him do this year, just waiting for something to happen. Uh, or, you know, whether or not he's he's doing that on purpose so he gets to, you know, drive at the end of the shot clock, I don't know but we just see the offense come to a halt. He's a ball. He's what they call a ball stopping guard. And then the ball, when the ball goes around, ball goes around, ball stops when it comes to him. And, and I just think that that hurts Indiana so much sometimes. And it's like, we've seen the potential of Devonte. and look, there are some games this year that Indiana has won that they don't win without Devonte. Obviously that's true. I mean, there are several of them and there are several games where even you could say, uh, you know, a close win where he had a couple of threes. Well, they don't do that without him either. But there are times where Devontae slows this team down when they need to be speeding up and they need to be attacking. And they just kind of, it turns into a, he's just pounding the ball into the floor out on the, you know, beyond the three point line, waiting for something to happen as opposed to going and making something happen. And then he has to force something to happen within the last five seconds of the shot clock. Yeah. We saw that a couple of times today and it was frustrating because I felt like all of the times that happened, Indiana actually had something going on and, and, and it just kind of brought the train to a screeching halt. And, and that can't happen. It, it, not from a senior guard. It cannot happen from a senior guard. It's going to happen the rest of the year. We're going to be frustrated by it. That's just the, again, that's, that's the bargain you've struck, as you said. Very well, actually. I'm surprised it's taken me this long to, to, to come up with that one. That was a good one, Jared. But that's the bargain you've Thank struck you. by, by having Devontae Green as a senior guard who's going to get meaningful minutes. Is You're going to get some crazy shots that go in. You're going to get some heat check. You know, you're going to get a guy who hits four threes in the in a, in a half. You know, in a stretch of about five minutes, and you're also going to get just deserts of of offensive play that just aren't what you want. And then 
on the other end, he's going to wind up trying to make a play defensively by going for a steal when he should just keep his man in front of him and give up an easy layup. That's just where we're at. And we can complain about it all we don't want, but it's, it's a reality, sadly. The other issue for Indiana is, you know, the Hoosier shot 83.3% from the free throw line, which is really good. Problem is they only took 12 and Illinois took 24. And this team is not yep. built to win a lot of games when the other team doubles them up from the free throw line. Now, the way that Indiana compensated is Indiana made eight three-pointers. They were eight of 16 from three-point range. Illinois, only four of 12. You want me to blow your mind with a statistic right now? Please, since we're doing blow stats? my mind. I will blow your mind. Indiana is sixth in the conference in three-point shooting. So for all the talk about how awful this team is in terms of shooting threes, and they're not good. Like, it's 32.2%. It's not like they're a good three-point shooting Jeez, team. Jeez, that's horrible but for six I know, but remember, you know, the line has moved back. Three-point shooting is down across the country. Mark Titus did warn us of this. Yes, he did. But it's, you know, Indiana has used the three-pointer pretty effectively in conference play at times. Now, sometimes they shoot, you know, a few too many of them. But, you know, as we talked about heading into the season, Al, Devontae, and Rob are capable three-point shooters, and Jerome can knock them down too. Like, this team, they're not... Obviously, they're not a good enough shooting team because they don't have enough guys on the floor who can shoot, and that's the they issue. They can't shoot their way out of a, out of a, right. out of a deficit or right. shoot their way out but of a... But percentage-wise, at a very low volume because they're 13th in the conference in volume, so that's the issue. They're not taking a lot of them. But percentage-wise, they're kind of using the three-point line how they want to, which is don't take a lot of them, take good ones, you know, and, and let's try to shoot as high a percentage as possible with, you know, having good shot selection. So they're doing that. Here's the issue. Here's the other stat that is concerning. Indiana, number one in the conference in free throw rate, which is very good. The Hoosiers are 14th in the conference in defensive free throw rate. So we're just putting teams on the line too much. And the reason why we're doing that is because we can't con contain the point of attack. You know, you are going to foul when guys are driving into you. You're getting in help situations. You're going to end up fouling dribblers to try and contain those guys. And then if you're helping, sometimes you're going to be off balance and you're going to be fouling and there's just going to be more plays at the rim. And that's the issue with this team defensively. You know, the defense is improving overall. It's 34th in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. And, you know, Indiana hasn't given up more than 66 points since the Minnesota game. So the defense is better. They just but gave raw... up 67, Jared. What? I'm sorry. That's what I meant. More than 67. <laughs> um, but in terms of raw efficiency, Indiana 11th in the conference in defensive efficiency. So it is a defense that just over the course of the season is getting a little better right now, but still has a lot of holes in it. And I thought that's really what was exposed today is Indiana could not contain the point of attack defensively and they fouled too much. And again, you know, you, you go on the road and score 66 points with, you know, in some ways the efficiency Indiana did. I think this is a game Archie Miller would expect to win. And I have a feeling I haven't yep. watched the post game, but I have a feeling he's going to be really disappointed that the defense didn't do enough. Even though the raw number isn't that high, there were enough breakdowns that I think are really going to tick him off. And that's one of the biggest things I take from this game. Well, when you think about it this way, it, that Indiana fouled 19 times, and there were a couple late that were intentional. So the fouls with Illinois were pretty much even. In 19 to 16, and Indiana fouled intentionally twice at the end. So you put that at basically 17 to 16. But of those 19 fouls, they shot 24 free throws. So we were fouling them at the rim a lot is what it means to me or fouling them in situations where they were already in the bone. Well, they were getting to the rim anytime they wanted to. You know? Yeah. That's and so that's also the difference in the fouls. And, and do I think that there were some uncalled fouls at the rim that would have helped Indiana? Of course. But the thing is, is that when the disparity is 24 to 12, 
you, you look at the officials a little bit, but you also look at where you're fouling and where you're allowing the team to beat you. And that means you're getting beat. You know, they fouled Coburn a lot at the line. I mean, yeah. it, it, because, because there's no other recourse but to foul that guy when he gets the ball deep in the paint. The, but the, the thing, solution, Coburn is not this, concerned about you when he's going to the basket. Like, he is going up strong and going to play through contact. And the issue is, Trace put it up soft at times. Race was very hesitant around the rim. Yep. And that's here's the what, And they were hesitant because of him. You know, I sure. mean, and, but, but here's sure. what I'll say. Here's what I'll say about it is that Coburn gets, if he gets the ball in the paint, he's going to score or get fouled and, unless he just misses wildly. And he doesn't do that too much. I mean, look, he only put up six shots today because he got, and that number's down because he got fouled so much and those don't count as shots when you're fouled and get fouled shooting. Yeah. So he, the, 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 the key is to not let him get the ball in there and to move him off his spot or you maneuver around him and, and you saw Illinois was willing to go over the top to him uh, when they fronted him. He, they were, you know, and so the, the key is to move him off his spot or to drive at him, get him fouled and get him out of the game or get him to foul and get him out of the game. And Indiana didn't really do either today. And, and I'm sure they, they certainly tried. It just, it, it wasn't effective. And so you got to get better at that. When there's one player you want to eliminate from a team and clearly Illinois goes as Coburn goes, I mean, they, their guards are good. And, uh, you know, IO is really good and, and he's a winning player and he's going to you know, make big plays, but Coburn is the anchor of that team. And so you have one player on that team. You're really afraid of, you got to find a way to get him off the floor or make him ineffective. And Indiana didn't, didn't really do that today. They tried, they certainly had a game plan and they tried, it just didn't happen. And when that doesn't happen, chances are you're going to lose a close game. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's going to come down to it and you're going to lose. You know, and this may seem odd for me to say because Coburn is only a freshman, although, you know, he's got the body of like a third-year NBA player. I mean, he's massive. Oh, he's, but yeah, he's in. Th- th- you know, this is a game where I-, I thought you really needed more out of your upperclassmen big men in terms of just being physical, and Joey and Duran didn't bring it. I mean, Joey was kind of what he's been, and I thought Duran was as bad and unaware of what was going on today as he's been in a long time. You know, he just he gave up that wide-open layup to Georgie. Yep. You know, on offense, he had that possession where he could have taken that 15-foot jumper, which he's been making, and instead he, like, dribbled himself into a floater. Like, he just wasn't locked in. And when you're facing a big physical guy like that, you know, to help out your freshman, who is much more of an athlete than just a big physical guy, like that's not as much right. Trace's game yet, you need some of that kind of brute force from Joey and Duran to help neutralize Coburn. And Indiana did not get that. And that was always going to make this a real big challenge if those guys didn't didn't bring a little bit more I would have, I would have liked to have seen Duran in there offensively a little bit more. I mean, he only played eight minutes and he really didn't get much run. I would have liked to seen him back to the basket on Coburn just to see if he could draw fouls. Like it has nothing to do with, you know, is he, I just think Archie Coburn? saw that he wasn't very locked in and didn't give him yeah, more and, minutes. And you know? quite frankly, Indiana went small in the second half. They, they essentially went small and they started that way. We should mention, we should give Archie the second some, half. Yeah. You know, some race some applause. started the second half. We've been, we've been talking about it now. You know, it wasn't great. I think Indiana ended up losing the opening segment seven to four, but the very race first possession, got, yeah, the very first possession, they dumped it inside and right race played really good defense. And it was like, that's no, and, something and, that we haven't and seen race very much. Also picked up his third foul really fast. So, yeah, you know, it was, it probably changed the way they had to play a little defensively and all that stuff. So, Yep. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, coming up on the assembly call, we're going to hand out our game balls. Then we will hit some other lingering storylines from this game. And then, Ryan, we got to look ahead to next week. A couple of really big games for Indiana. Then it's time for last call. That's next here on the assembly call. Stick with us.
This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. All righty. Thank you, Jordan. You are listening to The Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you're at our website, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter, or text IU to 66866. That is IU to 66866. Then you can join the newsletter. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips. We are uh, picking up the pieces after the Hoosiers go on the road to Champaign. Uh, put forth a valiant effort. Uh, don't execute enough down the stretch. Obviously, a few calls didn't go Indiana's way as well. And the final result was a one-point loss for the Hoosiers that drops them to 2-8 and eight on the road in conference play. But certainly, with the arrow pointing up a little bit after beating Minnesota, you know, playing moderately better against Purdue, and then certainly, you know, having their well, best see, their best performance in a loss uh-huh. on the road today. Let me say this. Since the Michigan game, I think the efforts in every game have been there. The effort they has have, been there. They have, they have kept game. their belief in what they're doing, Purdue, even if it hasn't always just, been executed very well. Yeah, Purdue, they couldn't get anything done, but I never felt like they weren't playing hard or no. had given up. Um, I just felt like offensively nothing worked. They shot 25%, which is staggeringly bad. Um but and Purdue shot terribly too. I, I you know, it was it was one of those games where just nobody it was contagious. Nobody could make a shot, and Indiana just didn't do anything it wanted. And and give Purdue credit. Why are, why are you that. talking about that game again? Because I'm trying to tell you that I think the effort has been really good, and and it, there are lulls just in the effort. You. There are even lulls in the effort today. But I feel like overall they're playing hard, which is something that I yeah. know that's stupid to say at the end of the season. That has been a real problem for Indiana this year, even in wins, is having full 40-minute yeah. effort. The thing is, actually, you know, I think it's less about playing hard. I mean, like that that is what we see on the court. It's about their belief in what they're doing. Because in, I think in some of the road games when they've really cratered, it's because things have been going bad. And you can just see, like, if you don't believe in what you're doing, you stop giving the effort. And, and you, I just, think you can tell the, the facial there. Like expressions. Their, yes, I mean. their attitude and just their togetherness and just their being on the same page with the coach is better. And that, you know, if, if you want to take some hope, even from these last two road games where Indiana lost, and I know, and I'm not saying they're moral victories because they were losses and they're disappointing. And we've, you know, I think we've pointed out a lot there of the execution of issues today, yeah. that lost them. But if you want to say, okay, is there something that we can take out of this, though, that makes me feel better about these upcoming home games and maybe that, you know, Indiana will be competitive in the Big Ten tournament? It's that, you know, they seem like they're on the same page and actually getting a little bit better here as we go down the stretch. You've just, you know, you face some tough teams on the road and it was going to take better performances than what Indiana did to win, um, but it was at least better than what they'd been doing before. Now, it's not going to mean anything if they don't carry it forward, win these home games. And do something in the Big Ten tournament, but got to win both these home games. Yeah, it's at least it's you know it's something that that I think you can you can at least take away from this. Um, let's do the game balls real quick, and then we got to talk more Rob Finnessy because we haven't talked about him enough, and he was too important a player in this game to, uh, to let it go without us talking about him. Um, my game ball is going to Al Durham for all the reasons that I already articulated. So yep, I don't really need to get into it too much more. Um, Al is Al is my pick. Thirteen points. Uh, two rebounds, two assists, only one turnover after he really struggled against Purdue uh, with his turnovers. Only one turnover, played 31 minutes. He was, a, I believe he was a plus. He was even. Oh, he was even. Okay. They adjusted that. 
He must have they because they had him at plus one before. They must have yeah. him an error on the statue. But I also thought that he, you know, he had a steal. He hit all five of his free throws, which is key. At two of three threes, he got fouled on another three. So he really would have made all his threes today, or at least been two of two with some free throws coming. So uh really a, a good performance from Al and um and and hopefully a, a building to something. Yeah, and you know, look it, it, it might be kind of grading Trace on a curve because he did go on the road and have 12 points, 12 boards, two blocks, and played a lot of minutes and still played well. But I, I just think for him, you know, the line he had to reach was more than nine shots and he had to do a better job yeah. inside. And so I just thought in terms of which guy played their role better, Trace was the better player overall. He did more things than Al. So, I mean, we should just say that. But in terms of which guy excelled more in the role that was being asked of him today, I think that's Al. So that's why, to me, he gets it. Now, let's talk about Rob Finnessy, because we haven't talked about him a lot. And this was a really interesting game from Rob. It was kind of the big, giant, mixed grab bag of Rob Finnessy that we've seen a lot this season, where it's like, all right, on the one hand, he scored in double figures. He knocked down a huge, you know, obviously the three that he hit at the very end, you know, that made kind it a one-point yeah. game, and that's fine. But the three that he made when it was 65 to 60 was huge. I mean, that is a massive shot. I thought this is one of the best rebounding games I've seen from him in a while. I mean, he was tough and really skying for rebounds, um, you know, but only had two assists and, you know, and he only played 29 minutes. And I say only because if this guy is your point guard and he's the guy that you trust to run your team, especially on the road, you play more than 29 minutes. And I know, you know, Alex said, uh, you know, he was sitting close to the bench and he said, you know, at one point, I think he, um, I think he tweeted this out too, that, you know, Archie said, Rob has got to run our team. He was frustrated because Rob wasn't getting them into what they wanted to do offensively, wasn't taking charge enough. And that's, you know, Rob has to be that guy. You know, Devontae is the guy that you bring in to try and be the microwave to give you offense. Al is the guy that you look to to be a secondary scorer and to make plays like he did today. You know, when we talk about Trace Jackson Davis only getting nine shots, part of the responsibility for that falls on the shoulders of Rob Finnessy when he's out there yeah. on the court. And so, you know, you saw some stuff from him today. The shot making, the drive into the basket that he made was nice. He had a, a few good plays in transition, but again, you know, I want to see you, you've got to get you, you have to get more from him to win on the road. And that's right. you, you look at where on the margins could Indiana have won this game. Trace gets more shots, and Rob is better as your leader on the court. And clearly, Archie's frustrated, and that's why we've come on the show the last couple games. And there have been really key stretches where Rob's been off the court. At the end of the first half against Purdue uh, in the Penn State game from like the five-minute mark to the two-minute mark, that's like, why is he not playing? And I actually, I'm really starting to think that it's a lot less, you know, Archie forgot about him. I mean, Archie's been doing this for a while. I don't think he forgets about his point guard. Mm -hmm. And more, Rob is just kind of in the mix in a guard rotation, not the guy that he fully trusts. And the path for this team to be really good was always for Rob to be that guy, and he's just not there yet. So... For whatever amalgamation of reasons that is the case, it's the case. And so, you know, a decent performance from Rob today, but he left enough on the table that that really is the one of the big differences between winning and losing. Yeah, and I'll say this about Rob, that uh, he, he was 4 of 13 from the field today, and but a lot of those were decent shots where he's driving in and trying to make something happen inside against a good defensive team. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with Rob Finnessy driving and, and yes, drive more. Game. I want him to drive because more. he's because he's a great finisher. If he has a game where he doesn't finish well at the rim, I'm going to write that off as all right. He had a tough game. 
But I want that guy driving and finishing. He's an outstanding finisher at the rim. He's great at finishing layups. He just is. I mean, that's I know it's a weird, you know, skill. I, to I, have, I cannot go that far. You've said that before. He's fine, he is, but he's not outstanding. I mean, he got rejected I think by great. the backboard once. Like he's yeah, he's because fine it was a, because he got forced under the backboard. Right, by but I mean, like I mean, he's fine at it. He's I want to see him drive more. So don't get me wrong. I just he's not outstanding. He's I think fine. he's a good finisher, and I will always say that. I, I have seen him finish in tough situations before. The problem is I don't think he has the confidence yes. right now to do it. And I agree it's, with that. I, I think, but I think he has the ability. I guess that's what I. I guess that's where our difference is. Is what I'm saying is he has the ability to do that. Okay. I don't think he always does. I understand it. he was four or thirteen today. He doesn't always finish great, but he is the kind of guy that can do that consistently. He just has to believe that he is. Yeah, and and I also think on the other end you've. His defense was certainly better than the other guards, but you can, you kind of need him to be elite defensively in terms of, you know, you need the guy that you saw against Cassius Winston last year, a performance that we keep bringing yep. up that is, you know, <laughs> taking on legendary status, but that's because he was terrific in that game. And, you you know, that's a guy that you need spearheading your defense. Indiana didn't get that. And, and again, like that was part of the reason why the defense struggled is you just, you didn't have any guard really that could consistently keep Illinois guys in front of you. And that just... That's it's going fair. to be a challenge for any defense. It's especially going to be a challenge for the pack line uh, that Indiana plays. Um, is there anything else from this game? I think we've talked about most of the guys. Um, you know, I, I thought Archie, I do want to say this, you know, we talked about him making the change at, from the starting lineups uh, in the second half. I thought he used timeouts a little bit differently today. Yep. You know, he used them earlier to kind of thwart runs. Kind of wish we had done that at certain times earlier in the year, but it certainly seemed to work because for the most part, you know, Indiana didn't allow those big runs that we've seen. And when that one happened toward the end of the game, they fought their way back again. You know, for the most part, like the lineups made sense. I thought Indiana had a good strategy. The team mentally was there. Like this was a, I thought this was a pretty well coached game from Archie. You know, now he's got to start winning some of these, you know, and it would have been a big one if he could have won it. And he's got to find a way to get Trace the ball more. So that obviously is an issue. Yeah. But, you know, I thought in a lot of ways, you know, he he put the team in a position to win, but playing the kind of defense he wants to play with guards that aren't good at keeping men in front of them, that's going to lead to issues. So whether you want to, yeah. in a macro sense, say that he should adjust what he's doing, you know, it, but overall, I mean, he had the guys ready to play and, and a, a game was there for the taking and they just didn't do it. So, you know, it was a, it was a pretty good, you know, no, I thought he had a good pretty coaching performance. Like. You have a chance to win against a good team on the road in a tough environment late in the season, I think you've done a good coaching job. And and it wasn't a game where, you know, had Indiana hit 15 threes and played terribly offensively and just gotten lucky with shots, that'd be one thing. But I thought that the team was ready to go. And, and I think that uh, he played well. Yeah. All right. So looking ahead, we don't have uh, Andy and coach here to uh, give us previews of these teams, but I don't think we necessarily need to dive into the nitty gritty because we've played these teams before. We know them. Wednesday, it's Minnesota. Saturday, it's Wisconsin. Now, of these two games, you know, Ken Palm has Indiana projected as a two-point winner in both of them. Certainly, the Wisconsin one seems a lot tougher, given how they've yes. been playing on the road and just the issues that Indiana has had with Wisconsin in recent past, although we did beat them last year. But it is absolutely 100% imperative that Indiana come out and win Wednesday night against Minnesota. Because, you know, Indiana, even with this loss, if Coach or Andy were here, they would tell us that at 18-11, 8-10 in conference play with, you know, Indiana's in the top five or six in terms of, you know, victories over top 25 teams. They have a good record against quad one, or at least a good volume of victories. The Hoosiers would be in the tournament as of today. 
That doesn't mean that if they lose out, they would maintain that spot. Indiana no. still has work to do. They're probably a nine seed or a 10 seed right now. And to me, you have got to win that game against Minnesota because they're the That's more beatable win. of the two teams. And it, there's just there's something about Wisconsin, and particularly this Wisconsin team with the way they play and the issues we've had against them. I don't really want a whole like all that pressure riding on that game more than there already yeah. will be, you know. So I so really, he, I really feel like getting this win over Minnesota is really going to be important coming into that because now you're at 19, you're feeling a lot better, and obviously there's always going to be pressure. It's senior day, it's Wisconsin, like all of that, but it just it feels like a much taller mountain to climb. If you're 18 and 12, you've lost three in a row, and you're starting to feel the pressure of like, holy crap, we better win another one. Here's why you can feel good about Indiana a little bit heading into this week. Um, I know neither of these teams are ranked, but you feel good about Indiana being able to step up when it needs to. Uh, even with the loss to Illinois, I guess Illinois is not ranked, okay. But even losing to Illinois, they're five and three against ranked teams. They they can beat good teams, and they can beat teams when they need to, and they can step up, and they'll be at home. At home, um, yeah. The, the, the Minnesota game must win. There's no question about that to me. I think you got to win both of these to not have to worry about the Big Ten turn. I mean, that's yes. you win both of these, you don't have to worry about the Big Ten turn, which, let's face it, as Indiana fans, we want to be in a situation where we do not have to worry about the Big Let Ten. Let that be gravy. Let that yeah. be gravy. So, and, and by the way, you win these two games, you finish your season at 500 in the Big Ten in the and toughest conference. At the toughest conference in America, by far, one of the toughest years in the toughest conference in America, you finish at 500. You don't feel like we're not we're not going to have a parade for finishing 500 in the Big Ten, but it's an accomplishment given what these, this team has gone through and who they are and who the roster is and what changes need to be made. That's decent, yeah. and you'll feel happy about that. And you're probably going to make the NCAA tournament, and what it's going to do is it allows you to go into the offseason able to make a reasonable case that the program is still moving forward slowly having having also slower than we all wanted but at least it would represent okay we took another small step forward and making you know, the ncaa something. tournament i know it, indiana should be far beyond this we're not going to argue about that iu should be on a far different level than it is right now but you make the ncaa tournament it lifts a huge weight off of everybody's shoulders because okay that drought is over now let's build on it as opposed to do we need to radically change everything do we need, or are we actually building towards something you get a weight lifted off everybody's shoulder you get yeah. Deron Davis and Devonte don't have to go out as the only four years not to at Indiana in a long time not to go to the tournament or whatever. Just it just lets everybody take a deep breath and breathe a sigh of relief and say, okay, now let's build on it. And then let's build yeah. on that. And then let's build on that. And yes. then let's build on that. So uh, that's important. That's what you it know does. to keep that momentum. It's a know? step that needs to happen. Yeah, it is. It is. And it, like I feel like we have to say this just because you know people. Uh, I don't know. They, they don't like to uh, give the benefit of the doubt or like understand that there's nuance. Like, I think all of us are disappointed overall with where the program is this late in Archie's third year. Like, fair to say. Um, but like, like we said, you know, you still want to at least be able to see progress, and that's what it would do. Um, and so, and and look, the thing is, if you make the NCAA tournament, you know, it's almost like we're all like, okay, let's get in the NCAA tournament, and it's like, okay. We're guaranteed to lose in the first game. No, like you get in the NCAA tournament, you actually have a shot to then, to then kind of change the narrative of what happens after that. So Especially that's why it's not a big 10 team. Yeah. You don't have to play I mean, a big 10 team. So it is, you're right. You got to get that monkey off your back. You got to end that stupid drought <laughs> because it's been too long. And, and then you got a chance to go that, do something. So 
you know, it's a talking point that no longer exists, and that's good for everybody within the program. It's good for the incoming freshmen to not have to answer questions about that. It's good for everybody. So that's the goal right now. Make the dang tournament, and then, you know, once you're in the tournament, let chips fall where they may. Let Trace Jackson show off how good he is. Let Devontae Green knock down five threes against something. Like, whatever it is, let that happen, and then build off of that for the next season. I mean, isn't that really the way that the Devontae Green era has to end, which is Indiana squeaks into the NCAA tournament and he just uncorks like four straight 30-point games, goes down as a legend with delivering Indiana to their surprising elite And everybody forgets everything else that's ever happened. (laughs) Yeah, don't you remember when Danny Green's brother was amazing for IU? Oh, my gosh. That was... Okay. You know what? I I hope it happens. (laughs) I really hope it happens. I hope that guy closes out his career as high as he possibly can. Of course. I do, too. I do, too. Um, Okay. Let's get out of here. Um, Monday, we'll do Banner Monday, so Mike DeCourcy will be here. Obviously, post-game show, IU Minnesota Wednesday night, and then Assembly Call Radio Thursday, we're doing our Christian Lander scouting report, right? You're going to be here? Yep. Okay, so we will have all of that for you. I've watched so much Christian Lander tape. It's unbelievable. I mean, that's fun. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, that's why. It hasn't been like with most of these. It's like I watch a half hour after about the first 10 minutes. You get the feel after about the first 10 minutes. You get a feel for a player and you kind of have your scouting report. But then you watch a little more to sort of validate it with Lander. I had him pegged in five minutes and I just watched the rest for fun. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, we all look forward to that. Uh, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember, uh, because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 20% off your entire order at homefieldapparel.com with the promo code ASSEMBLY20. So if you want a great deal on the most comfortable and unique IU apparel that you'll find anywhere, go to homefieldapparel.com, use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off your entire order. Ryan, it is time for last call. Uh, lead us off, because i got to go see if the uh, Dallas Renegades can beat the Houston Rough Riders in a huge early season XFL battle. You enjoy that. Um, hey, family, man. You know, t- I, know, I know I'm teasing you. Um, it, tough loss today because Indiana could have won it. You know, um, I think that there were some things working against them. Obviously, we talked about it in the opening segment. I thought the things, uh, you know, some luck things didn't go their way, which always stinks when you're on the road because you're going to need a degree of luck to win on the road in this league. Uh, I thought that for the most part, the, the, storyline coming away from it for me is not the mistakes Indiana made, but the fact that they played through them and, and continued to play hard. And, and the guys we saw playing hard are the guys that are going to mean something to this team in the future. You saw Rob fantasy playing hard. You saw uh, an Illinois guy get in his face and Rob didn't back down. He stepped right up to him. I mean, we need that attitude from Rob. That's one of the things we need. We need him to, to sort of be a point guard and be a leader um, you saw him do that. You saw Al Durham, who's going to be a senior next year, play well. You saw Trace Jackson Davis, who's coming back and is, you know, so important to the future of Indiana basketball. I thought, you know, he grabbed 12, off, 12 rebounds, seven offensive rebounds and battled as much as he could. Uh, you saw Ray Thompson. I thought while he, his numbers didn't back him up because he was in foul trouble, I thought he played well. I thought Jerome Hunter hit down some key threes. Uh, I thought Armand Franklin came in and played some really good defense for a few minutes. He only got five minutes, but I thought it was nice to see him out there. And he and Trace Jackson Davis were at a nice little two man game going on one possession. You saw sort of some flow there. So you saw all of these guys were going to be back next year, sort of learning how to play on the road. And, and you've seen it over the last couple of games that these guys are starting to build something. It may not be, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying those guys are going to go win a national title next year, but I'm saying you're seeing progress 
from the young players who are going to be so important to this program. And they're the ones leading now. And, and, and that's a bummer because you want your seniors to lead and you want your old guys to lead, but you're seeing the guys who are most impactful to the team be that younger group. And they're sort of taking it on themselves to lead now. And I think that's really important for Indian. Didn't work out in the end today. You know, another shot falls, another foul gets called, another, you know, turnover bounce goes our way or something. Maybe it's a different story, but I thought they played hard and they played tough for most of the game when they could have wilted at several spots. And quite frankly, at one spot, I, I texted you guys, I thought they had wilted and I was wrong. They stepped up and, and came back. And I thought that it was just because I'm used to the familiar patterns. I thought they got to a point where it was, all right, this game's just going to get away from them. And they hit some shots. They stepped up. They played defense. And, and that was really important to see, I think, for this team as the season closes down. Got to go get two wins this week, though. Uh, you got to make up for the missed opportunity in Illinois. You got to make up for the missed opportunity against Wisconsin or against uh, Maryland. You got to make up for some of these missed performances by taking care of business at home this week. By the way, I don't know what chaps my rear end. We, you know, we talked about the uh, the poor officiating. One thing that I I didn't like. You mentioned that Rob Finnessy play where the guy elbows Rob, then gets in his face, jaws at him. Jerome Hunter got a technical for sticking his finger up. And that guy didn't get a technical for that. Ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, no, it's inconsistent. And here's yeah. the thing. I'm ha- I'm okay with them not giving a technical in that situation. Today. Yeah, I am too. It just made me I'm think of the Jerome they did play. it the other time. Yeah. I know. Jerome did not deserve that technical foul. Although, I guess the moral of the story, kids, just don't put your finger up. Because putting your index finger up is, up is so egregious that you're going to get you a technical foul. do whatever foul you want, but do not raise that finger. Yeah, do not raise that index finger, kids. Um, I echo a lot of what you said. Um I'm really disappointed that Indiana lost this game because a winnable game was there. And it felt like, you know, with some smarter execution and Indiana doing more of the things that they wanted to do, you get that. Obviously, you know, I think this was really a game where some calls hurt Indiana down the stretch. It is what it is. There have been some games where Indiana has been helped by some calls, too. So, you know, that sometimes those things kind of even out. But it just sucks that there's so much of it because on individual game situations, you know, really just hurts the overall experience of the players and the fans watching. So that part of it is disappointing. Um, you know, and, and I think Indiana's got to get to a point now where they start winning some of these games. You know, Archie Miller with only two road wins. And I think he won three road games in his first year and three road games in his second year. You know, the difference is when they won those road games, obviously the Michigan State game being the big exception of this last year, those were road games against teams in the 60s and in the 70s and in the hundreds in Ken Palm. You know, and this year they obviously won the one against Minnesota only the other one against Nebraska. And it's one of my big disappointments now exiting the season that Indiana wasn't able to get more done on the road. And a big reason for that is there were just so many give-up efforts on the road where you just didn't give yourself a chance. You know, there are going to be games on the road like today where, you know, you go toe-to-toe with a good team. Illinois is not a great team, but they're a good team. And you don't make some plays, calls goes against, calls goes against you, whatever, and you lose by one. Like, damn, that sucks, but it's life in the Big Ten. What should have happened this year is more road games like this, you know, where it's close and you give yourself a chance because you might need to have three or four close ones like this to get one against a good team. And Indiana's issue this year is they got blown out in so many of them, they didn't have a chance down the stretch. And so they finally got this one, they weren't able to get it. And that's got to be something as we move forward with this program that Indiana gets better at. And it's not just about effort because we talked about that. The effort was there, the belief in what they're doing, but toughness and execution. You know, at the end of games when plays really need to be made, and that's something that's still that's still missing and preventing Indiana and obviously just playmaking and overall skill. But you know, toughness and that ability to execute in big moments 
against really, you know, against good teams in their place for 40 minutes. We just haven't seen enough of it this year. And so, you know, I, I tip my cap to the team and to the coach for, for what they put out there today. This was a, a good, you know, this was a good road effort by a good big 10 team. My issue and my real disappointment is more about the road efforts that came before than it is about this one. You know, losing by one to Illinois, it's disappointing. There's no shame in it. The issue is you got to win some of these, but to win these, you've got to give yourself a chance. And too often this season, Indiana didn't give themselves a chance. So that's something that has to get better. But for now, the road games are behind us. Indiana will not play on the road anymore. They've got to go home and do what they do best, which is take care of business at home, beat, you know, a, a, a decent team in Minnesota and then a good team at Wisconsin. You do that, an NCAA tournament bid is waiting for you to take. Indiana will make the NCAA tournament if they get 20 wins and win these two games. It's right there on the table, guys. Do what you got to do. You've played better. You're improving. Now let's finish strong, win these two games, and let's get to the NCAA tournament. All right, that is going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson, who produces a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening and all of you in the chat live today. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Monday for Banner Monday and then after IU Minnesota on Wednesday. Until then. Take it from me, native Hoosier Mark Titus. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. I don't like carrots. (laughs) Did you ever, did you listen to the last show? I didn't get hear all of it. I heard like the, the first Purdue half show. Of it. You got it. You got to go back and listen to Coach's rant at the end. That's where at the, the end. That's where okay, because I saw it was a long one. It was. Uh, we went. So, well, the show went long, and then we went long afterwards. Coach, Coach was intense. I've got a lot of the drops, so we'll play them on Assembly Call Radio. One of these yeah, days. I got about so halfway was, through. I was, I was, I was listening to it while I worked out. So just fast forward to the end. Hey, listen I to will. the after show stuff. Coaches in coaches in rare form. Rare form. All right. Well. Damn. So what are we doing? Uh, so next week, you're gonna have to change my intro music. You know, what do you mean? If I'm gonna host the show next no. Sunday, well, I don't think you're hosting it. Chad will be here, so he can host it. Okay. Um, and Will, because yeah, because my daughter's got a soccer game, so I got to miss the Wisconsin show, and then we have to figure that out because typically we do it after the senior speeches. So yeah. we'll just we'll figure that out. But Will's gonna be here to like produce, and then Chad will host, and then it'll be you guys. Unless gotcha. you know something comes up, um, how old is your daughter now? She is three. I couldn't remember if she was three or four. So she's three. yeah. She's playing soccer for the first time. She had her first game yesterday. It was mass chaos. <laughs> it was a bunch mass, ball. It was. I mean, it was insane. There were the like ball. yeah, but there were like two girls that kind of knew what they were doing and knew to like get the ball and they could dribble and go to the goal and everybody else was just kind of running around. Yeah. My daughter was in that group. She you know she participated for. A, good 20 minutes and then she kind of lost interest in it it's probably it's probably a year too early i would, I say. would I, yeah that, probably a year uh, too early because you look at the other field like the year older and they all kind of know what they're doing but yeah you know, it's a, at a least good to like be on a team learn a friend that, of mine's so. son is two and he's doing baseball practice now like to basically shooting yeah. off a tee or whatever and then they're like he said the coach was trying to have him do like high knees and things like that and they're all just like not paying attention you know it's you got you got him with a bat and a tee you got him yeah but then when you try to do other things it's just not gonna happen. no i mean really like the main lesson that needed to happen before the first game was like okay 
guys, we are the gray team. We're the wolves. The other team in the different jerseys, they're the other team. So what's our team? The wolves. What color are we? Like we needed to kind of go like to the basics of like what is even a team sport, you know, consist of. So, you know, it was fun though. It's a, it's entertaining watching them. I look forward to watching them grow from the beginning of the season till the end. You think there's going to be a lot of progress? I hope so. I hope there's some progress. (laughs) I do hope so. Just that they all know where to kick the ball. All right, man. Good stuff today. Disappointing. This would have been a really fun show if they had won that game. That would have been a massive, massive If they win. had finished by hitting like a big shot at the end. Oh, God. And been. they did. They did finish by hitting that shot at the end. God. If, that play I on still Al can't really believe it. I can't believe they didn't call that. Like, it was one of those things where I thought they had called it, you know, like, because everybody was reacting. And I was yeah. like, they they didn't call that like crazy. I know. I mean, the officials getting in the Big Ten is just so bad. It's terrible. So bad. It's really bad. Like how do you think? I don't. I don't know. I don't even want to get into it because we'll be here for another hour. So, I know. Uh, yeah. All right. Time to go watch the Renegades. Good luck. Thank you. Your hometown hopefully, team. Hopefully they win. Hopefully they win. It'd right, be a big day for Bob Morris if they can get a win. Thanks, everybody. All What's right. the record right now? Two and one. Two and one. And they're okay. facing three I wasn't sure if they were one and one or two and one. Yeah, so this is a, this is a big early season game here for playoff positioning. <clears throat> Hopefully they All can right, do it. All right, guys. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you tomorrow. The thing about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive. We don't even need the words the Home and Auto Bundle anymore to tell you that you could save big with a ring-tailed lemur from Progressive or that every hot peach cobbler comes with round-the-clock service and protection. And that's the thing about the goat with magic powers. You've heard a lot of ads about the sushi in Vancouver. See how much you could save with the Home and Auto Bundle <clears throat> with the Shaman in the Jungle from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.